You're listening to episode 115 of the STEM Space. We are answering a frequently asked question about what should be included in a makerspace. From design to product purchases, tune in to hear our must-haves. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Claire. Hey. How are you doing? I am great, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> What's the kind of? Well, uh, so, you know, I was supposed to move classrooms and then was told that I'm not moving classrooms, but I'd already packed up everything. So I'm kind of in that stress mode of my classroom is a disaster. Okay. So what happened was you packed your classroom up because you were told you're moving to a new room. You were going to have lab, like access to computers. So you packed everything up and then they said, never mind, you're back in your same classroom. So now you have to re-unpack. Exactly. I was supposed to, so I have a tiny portable that I'm in and I've, I was in it for three years. And then I was told there's this new building that our school purchased. I was going to have four rooms, like giant rooms. Yes. I was, oh man, I had plans. It was all planned out in my head. And so now in my brain, I'm like, I have to cram all the stuff that I planned into my tiny room and I don't have anything done because I packed up all the stuff I have, but it's okay. We're teachers. We adapt. I'm just a planner and now I'm stressed because my plans are falling apart. Well, <laughs> it's okay planning, though. We got a question <laughs> about planning for the next school year. And side note, <sighs> if anybody ever has a question that you want us to tackle on the STEM space, you can always email us uh, info at vivifystem.com and we will try to answer as many as we can. So this is from Elle and she says, good afternoon. She wants to talk to someone who's already taught STEM or STEAM to share their ideas and suggestions. So her question is, she is at a charter school trying to build a brand new K-8 building and they've asked her and another teacher to plan two makerspace rooms. One is for K-3 and one is for older kids, so four through eight. So she's a K-2 teacher, so she's like, well, how do I plan this? She'll have experience with little kids. <laughs> and so the main question is, what would you want to plan in a makerspace room with no concern for prices? Oh, man, the dream. I have my you dream. Have that. Should, <laughs> I have that dream. <laughs> it's in my head. Yes, because I am a K through ninth teacher. So I was going to have all the things for all the kids. And I think it's, I mean, it's so open-ended. And I think that's the thing that you need to plan for is to be able to adapt and change just as many things as you can put in a big room as possible. So I'm thinking sinks. If you're thinking just like design in general, you need sinks, you need lots of cabinets, you need a ton of electrical outlets, like everywhere, right? Because you want to make sure that the circuitry of the building can withstand whatever you do. Because I wanted a computer lab, so you need to be able to charge all the laptops, the Chromebooks, the robots, all the things, right? If you're going to be able to do that. And I I would say that you need that for all those grade, grade bands. Right. 
all these kids need to be using robots. A and a tech cart is nice to store iPads yes. and robots and you can move them around, plug them in and it has like a charging station. Yes, definitely. Uh, and then I would have ideally a sink that not just like, so you need like a built-in sink that goes into wherever all the other sewage stuff goes. And then one that like goes out into some sort of um, either outside sort of like place. If you have more caustic materials that you don't really want to go into the the sewage system. Ooh. So that's, that's something that a lot of people don't think about, but in talking with my art teacher who's across the hall from me. She was like, yes, I've had a school that had that. And it was so awesome because it didn't get backed up all the time with the paint stuff that I washed down. I was like, oh, you know, we do stuff in STEM all the time that has these kind of, you know, gunky stuff. I've done all sorts of things, making things that you really shouldn't wash down a sink. So that'd probably be a good thing. Mm. And then and the next step is stuff that you would buy to put in there. Uh, yeah, so I'm not sure like, if she was, it just says, how would you play? what would you plan to have in a makerspace? So let's say it's already like planned out. It comes with what comes. Okay. So let's talk about the Mm -hmm. stuff. And I know that's a, it's a tough one because we should start with the fundamental question of what are you planning on doing in a makerspace? What is the point of a makerspace? What are your thoughts? Mm, Yes. The big question. So I think there's a distinction that Natasha, you and I always talk about is, you need to back up and think of your purpose. And if you're thinking about having a maker space, is it teaching engineering? Because that's the big thing that we talk about in STEM or STEAM. We think the focal point is the engineering that brings and ties in all the other subjects together, right? Well, a maker space by the general definition that we normally see really is not teaching engineering. So, and this kind of depends. Is this like going to be a classroom that's for one teacher trying to teach engineering or is it a makerspace for the school to utilize in whatever capacity lots of different teachers might need? So we like to kind of distinguish between makerspace and engineering by saying that in a true makerspace, the way it's typically used, that is a place where you're building a final product, right? So you might have a 3D printer in there, which we definitely would, would recommend, and that's building a final product. Whereas engineering, which is what we usually use as the heart of STEM or our stage two STEM challenges, that's more of proving some sort of concept, usually science concepts that we're trying to add in there. And you're using all these tools that are in your space, which you might call a makerspace, but really you're using these tools to test prototypes in your engineering design. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I think that based on her title as a STEAM teacher who's now in charge of a makerspace, the two words have kind of merged into one. It's Mm -hmm. usually a makerspace that does STEAM or STEM. And we have to be really intentional when we create these spaces. Kids only have so much time at school, so many hours in a day. What are we doing with that time? And then with our also physical space, there's only so much room for classrooms and libraries and gyms, and we just need to be intentional with what we want to do. And we highly value both sides. And so it gets back to, do you want a place where they can tinker and create 
and it has more of that art piece, which perhaps being steam, they want that, right? They want to have the final product be a keychain. A lot I've seen like fundraisers, right, where they like sell keychains, cute mm-hmm. little 3D printed um, projects. Versus, are you a teacher going after the content? of helping them learn and practice the engineering design process and apply Newton's laws and all the physics. And that content requires slightly different type of space, but I feel like they could be used interchangeably. It's more of like how you use the tools. Yes. So figuring out, I guess, who you're, who the teacher is, who's, what are you doing with it? And it's like, when you bring in technology, that's like a whole other subject, right? That's not even engineering design necessarily. It's more coding and understanding that programming, thinking, the logic, but also how to use the technology, the hardware, the software. Is that a makerspace or is that a STEM classroom, right? It's kind of all been merged mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So the way that I had it kind of broken up when I was going to have these like all these rooms and this amazing space for my classroom is I was more having, I called it my tech space and my tinker space. So I had my tech space being my computer lab that also housed the robots. And that's where we practice some coding. We'd talk about um, typing skills, those kind of things. And then my tinker space was I was going to have like wood shop and tools and teaching kids how to use tools. And then we got to, when we'd get to engineering design, they would have options of, Hey, you know how to use these tools. If you think you can build this prototype out of things using these tools that you've been practicing tinker with tinkering with go in the tinker space and you can, you can do that. So I think having options as far as uh, allowing kids some free time to really uh, understand how certain tools that are at their disposal work, even building with cardboard or using different cutting tools, I think is important for them to learn those techniques and skills, but also some more structured um, design, I guess. And there's lots of tools with that. So we could make a list of some products that we would recommend to have for teaching science concepts. We always talk about Pitsco rocket launchers. Those I think are probably one of our top 10 Um, but there's other tools that I would also recommend if you're just trying to get kids to learn how to make things with their hands. So, uh, I'm in those, we've talked about some before, like different types of cutting tools, like the canary cutters or different cardboard cutting tools that are awesome. Because in my class, when I'm teaching teachers, right, pre-service teachers, it's very much through science and engineering. And I don't really use a lot of stuff. Like everything I use is like melt an ice cube (laughs) or magnifying glasses (laughs) or like really simple supplies that don't take up a lot of space. They will build something and then they'll discard it, right? We don't keep a lot of stuff versus a lot of districts do a makerspace because they want that wow factor. They want the cool Mm -hmm. stuff that's really flashy, that's very attractive to parents coming in. The kids, they want to, you know, make the kids feel empowered that they're like 3D printing something or using robots, which I think is awesome. Just need to be clear on what your goals are for the space um, in terms of like, are you really trying to support the academic side or more of this like elective space and trying to like wow people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yes. I started with 3D printers, 
when I was um, running Space Club. In the first couple of years, we were so excited to get the flashy new 3D printers. I had them in every library that I was doing Space Club and I wouldn't use it. Like it was actually harder to figure out a way to integrate it into my curriculum than to just not use it. Like I remember being up for a week straight during spring break, printing these dang Mars rovers. <laughs> so it was so much work to do every kid's oh. little prototype. And there was no engineering involved. Like they just found these designs on Tinkercad, made a few tweaks, added their name, and then they're like 3D printing. But it's not like they're staring at it for three hours. You know, like they're not that involved mm -hmm. in the process. And I ended up just like, that's not useful to me because I'm trying to teach engineering <laughs> design. And it was really hard for a middle mm -hmm. school kid to be part of the design process through a 3D printer. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I'm planning on tackling this year because we have a 3D printer and I really want to utilize it more. We've only used it by printing things that we've already discovered the design right. of, right? But I did have one student who by himself figured out, did all the tutorials of Tinkercad and we did invention convention and he made his prototype from the 3D printer and it was a a mess. Like it took so much time and effort to talk about, well, you can't have things floating in the air because you can't 3D print in the air. So that's why your golf club bag looks like a mess of spaghetti because it can't do that. So uh, if you have the time and energy, it just takes so much and it effort. Keeps breaking so, and you're like uh, four hours yes. into a print and then it fails and you have to restart it. I have a lot of painful <laughs> memory. Mm. Yes. Like yeah. And so it looks really great in the corner of your classroom when admin come by and be like, yep, there's a 3D printer. But if you had unlimited funds, buy yourself yeah. a 3D printer and stick it in that corner. But if you do not, I would not. And I would use not it to show kids how what's on the computer can be printed. Like that's mm. cool. And you could do it yes. as a prize, like the winner of some kind of STEM challenge gets 3D print, mm -hmm. their favorite something, toy, whatever. So it's an incentive. I like using it that way versus you as a teacher having a hundred plus kids and only 3D print all that. You might as well at this point just send it to someone. And there are companies out there who <laughs> like take these designs and print them and send me back what they create. Mm, yeah, that'd probably be cheaper yeah. too. But we're not answering her no. question. So no we're not. Okay. So the other things I would put in a makerspace, and I, I'm trying to, I'm thinking more towards the side of flashy, but also useful. And I would say I would spend um, effort on doing some sort of building wall or corner or area. So like Lego wall and things like that. Uh, the zoo builders, having a bunch of bins or, uh, I don't know, organizational spaces where kids can go and just build things that are not um, things that you throw away. Right. So. Yeah. The non-consumable stuff that's not technology based is so important because you can buy the latest robot, iPads, Chromebooks, and then you're going to have to upkeep them. And you might have a ton of money this mm -hmm. year, but in a few years when those go outdated, you might run out of the resources to keep that. And the Wi-Fi might not work and the Bluetooth and that. Mm -hmm. And so having physical things and kids are on their phone all the time, right? Watching TV on the computer, giving them a chance to just physically manipulate stuff 
is so important because she's teaching K through three. It is a makerspace for full range. So actually, that's a good question. Claire, for little kids versus bigger kids, like would there be differences in the rooms? That is a great question. Uh, I've never been able to separate. So that's, that's a hard one. I would say there are some, the non-consumables that would be different between the rooms. I think the things get smaller, the older the kids get, right? I mean, the, if you have kinders or even pre-K Duplos, go with Duplos, but I have a 10 year old daughter and a one year old and we have Duplos out and my 10 year old plays with them. So I don't know. It probably is okay. But let me tell you something that I just got uh, for my classroom this year that I'm super excited about. And I think one of the most underrated toys are magnetiles. And what I got for my classroom this year is they have magnetiles that have Lego base plates on them. I don't know. So, you know, magnetiles are like the translucent, different colored magnetic squares and triangles. Yeah. So the squares, they have these squares that have like the bumps on it for a Lego. So you can stack Legos on top of magnetiles. Genius. I'm so excited about those. So I think those could be used for any age. I really like magnetiles because you can use them for tower challenges from with like little kids too. And the way that they're translucent with the different colors, they're great for building along a window. Make sure you have windows if you're able to do that classroom, right? And then you can manipulate colors. So you can show how if you put different colors, like stack them, how it changes the color. And then you can talk about light and things like that as you get older Mm -hmm. with the older kids. So definitely need those in your makerspace. Yeah, and I think I agree with you that most of the stuff though, isn't going to be too different. Like for example, if you do robotics, Mm -hmm. you can get like a Sphero or other similar robots that can go from Tinder. They're good for everything. Right. And we have it on our website. If you go to vivifystem.com slash STEM resources, we have listed out like all of our favorites. Um, So if you scroll down Mm -hmm. to recommended STEM products, it's broken down by elementary and middle school. And there's just a bunch of ideas, like you said, um, some of the building stuff um, for middle school. It gets a little bit more like microscopes and lots of Lego products, um, air rockets, chemistry sets. You can get in where they become more independent versus the younger kids probably need more support and things that don't break. Yes, that's true. And I feel like with the older kids, too, if you are truly teaching STEM and doing STEM activities, then you need more robust scientific instruments. That's probably not the same that you would use with younger kids. So I'm thinking like the, what you said, microscopes and also like a Bunsen burner, mm-hmm. um, things like that. Science instruments yeah. that you would end up using mostly for demos, yeah. but to burn. Um, yeah, burn things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think everything else is useful for, for all grades. So I don't know, it'd be weird to have two different rooms for that. So uh, one other thing that I would put in a room too, as I'm thinking about it is a uh, green screen mm-hmm. Are you doing as well as technology. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a curtain that splits my room in half and it's, it's green. It's the wrong color green. So I'm changing that this year because it didn't work as well. It was too dark, <laughs> uh, but green screen is really awesome. And I would start implementing more things for your students to be uh, practicing 
presenting what they have learned. So we always do reflection pieces in the engineering design process, right? And have students talk about what they have learned and their reflections on the challenge. But I think having them do a podcast or recording themselves or presenting in front of the school. So maybe even have a stage in your classroom. So they really feel the pressure of getting to talk public speaking, but having a school podcast where they participate in. So I know they make these like pop-up tent things that kids can go Mm -hmm. in and record themselves. I think that would be really neat in a cool makerspace classroom. I like that. Yeah, another idea is depending on how you're using it, like if the libraries that I would work with would check out kits. So if this maker space is a shared mm. space with teachers, if there's a place where you can like have kits organized where they can come like for a family night or a classroom activity, they can come take all your Zooms or whatever microscope kits. Mm. And then it becomes a place where you collaborate, not just for kids, but for teachers. And that's what I love about STEM makerspace type of environment is it's meant to bring together subjects. So this encourages your science teacher to be like, oh, you have microscopes and it could be those USB ones. Like I've checked those out to science teachers and I'm like, Mm. we're doing this activity. Can we connect it to what you're learning? And so maybe thinking of it in that way of how to bring in teachers. The other idea was having a space to display student work a large bulletin board, shelves, oh, yes. some way where, especially bigger projects yeah. to store, but also like a display. That is a great idea. And speaking of a space with students, I what are your thoughts on designing like tables and chairs and desks or flexible seating in some sort of maker space room? Because that this is probably one of the major questions that they're trying to figure out. Round tables. That's what I would do. Um, And having lots of open space more than you think, like have the tables you Mm. need to seat the number of kids you plan on having. And if possible, save space for launching rockets or having floor space to do activities, to build. And it can be on the floor. They don't always have to be on tables. And maybe that's what you're saying with flex space. Like half the kids could just be sitting on the floor on bean bags or the other half on group tables. Yeah, that's a great idea. Plenty of tabletop space for building things. And we have the freedom in a makerspace that other teachers don't have. And you just got to take advantage of it, right? Like kids are not meant to be behind their little table for eight hours a day doing worksheets and listening to lectures, right? They're meant to be fun environments, especially kinder through fifth grade, like elementary years. And my little one's going to kindergarten. And that's like the one thing I'm always thinking is like, is she just going to be sitting all day? Like, she's going to go crazy. Like at daycare, they run and play. They have kin- or they have playtime inside. Then they go outside and play on the playground. Then they go back in and play, right? It's all play yes. through art and music. And those like early elementary years, that's what they should be doing. And that's where you as a, having a maker space allows you to do that. So yeah, we might've started with bringing the physics and bringing the science. But like not too much for those little kids, like just let them explore and do things that are tangible. And that's where I would limit not so much technology for the little kids. They'll get to it. We don't need to be coding in kindergarten. We should be coding our friends how to dance, right? Or code how to make a sandwich, but not like physical. I don't know. That's my take. 
Oh, you're absolutely right. Yep. They need to be tinkering and figuring out how they they should experience physics, but not really be taught. Yeah, it's building so that foundation. Give them things to right? Of yes. experience mm-hmm. with the natural world. And the natural world is not in the computer. <laughs> nope, it's not. It's in mags. Oh, you should have a magnet wall with the, uh, oh, what are those called? Tumble tracks? Is that what that is? The uh, It's like a roller coaster for marbles and you stick it on magnet. Yes. Get those. Yeah. So much and fun. And the last thought, I'm sorry, I keep, I'm like another thought. <laughs> I have so many ideas. Yes. Part two. Um, start with curriculum too. Like if you're really wanting to plan lessons, don't just like randomly mm-hmm. buy things unless you have some kind of plan, a loose plan. Um, but if you have a ton of stuff, but you don't know what to do with it, it's probably not going to work out as well as, Hey, I have these great ideas, but I need to spend my budget on this, right? It'll kind of guide you with what the type of supplies you need because you might not realize how much stuff you need to do certain kinds of lessons. But bottom line, go with non-consumables as much as you can so they can be used for years to come. Any final thoughts, Claire? Yes. I just had a final really random thought of something I'm going to do in my classroom and I'm excited about it. I hope it's as exciting when I say it out loud. So I was thinking about my Lego wall and what if I expanded it and made it so that I could, with the older kids, I can use it as like graphing. They can graph with Legos on a Lego wall because it's like, it's a grid. So they could plot points, like class points with their data from testing things. Yeah. Lego wall. So many uses for older kids too. Yeah, You could definitely do that with magnets but then you don't have like a grid. So you're like Lego. a grid. If it's a Lego base yeah. plates, then it's a grid. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you can do bar <laughs> charts and. Oh okay. man. You'll have to send yes. some pictures of that. <laughs> I, should let my that. College I need kids more do walls. That. They struggle with those bar plots. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, that's, yeah. One of the things I have to do this year because mm, kids need to figure okay. that out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Legos. L, I hope that gives you <laughs> our ramblings <laughs> in there, offered some useful advice. I think it's just a very broad uh, question and just not knowing exactly what direction you want to take it. So I hope this gives you a little bit of guidance and something you can take back to your administrators and say, this is what we want. These are our ideas. I'm excited that they're allowing you and the other teacher ownership of the space and that you have say in what it'll look like. Um, So we'll definitely come back to this topic because it's definitely a popular one. But for now, STEM Space out. Are you looking for low prep, high quality and engaging STEM units? Become a STEM Space member. You will get instant access to Vivify's growing collection of over 200 K through eighth grade STEM lessons. Membership also includes professional development videos that are added each month and can earn you continuing education credits. Join today through the link in the show notes to vivify your STEM teaching.